I can tell you one thing. When I was a kid, I was terrified of the dark. There was only one thing that got me through those dark nights on the second floor of our home, the nightlight. What would I have done without that nightlight? I mean, think about it. Who teaches a kid to be afraid of the dark in the first place? When I can get my kids to bed at night, shut out the bedroom light, and get two steps out of their door when I hear, Daddy, can you please turn on the hallway light? It never fails. And like me and so many others, my kids are a little afraid of the dark. Aren't we all? Darkness. The word is probably best defined as the absence of light. It's not so much something you see, it's something you don't see. And when there is no light present, it's dark. And when it's really dark, like when you can't see your hand in front of your face, it's almost like darkness becomes something you can feel. Did you know that the word darkness is used at least 200 times in the Bible? On many occasions, the word darkness is used as a metaphor to describe what a life without God is like. When you live without His love, when you refuse to follow His direction, when you choose your own selfish way over His way, you can't help but find yourself in a dark place. Here's what I want you to understand. Until you and I come to terms with the extent of darkness in the world, you won't be able to truly celebrate the light of Christmas. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about darkness, and I recognize this won't fill your hearts with cheer, and I don't want to be your Grinch that steals your Christmas. But before we talk about the light, you and I need to recognize the darkness that surrounds us. Here's the problem. In many ways, our eyes have adjusted to the darkness. It's like this, an amber alert comes on the radio and we turn the station. The news reports of another murder on the east side of India and we head to the kitchen for a refill. We've grown used to it. A teen commits suicide, a fatal car accident has caused a traffic jam on 465 and we get frustrated because we're going to be late for dinner. There's a reason why we don't always notice the darkness. And this is hard to admit, but it's true. You and I are a part of the darkness. We've grown accustomed to this truth. And if I am brutally honest with you, what scares me the most is my own darkness. I mean, do you ever find yourself asking, did I really just talk that way to my spouse? Did I just let my eyes watch that? Or for you, it's, did I really just cheat on that test? Did last night happen? And do you ever get caught off by the power of the darkness in you? There is a darkness within each of us. And there are a few things you need to understand about the darkness. First, the darkness has always been there. It's been there inside of you. You felt it as a kid when you accidentally broke the window, but nobody ever found you out. Or you felt it the time you slipped the candy bar in your pocket at the grocery store. And any parent of a two-year-old will tell you that you don't have to teach a kid how to have a temper tantrum. The darkness has always been there. And there's another thing you need to understand about the darkness. It's naturally progressive. It will grow and grow and grow. And eventually, it can overtake the light. And when Jesus was arrested, about ready to be crucified, Luke wrote in chapter 22, this is the hour when darkness reigned. And when darkness reigns, people are capable of incredible evil. Some of you have gotten lost in the darkness. You thought you could keep it in check. You thought you could have some fun, experiment, yet keep a hold of a couple of areas in your life. 
but you've discovered that the darkness will take you further than you ever intended to go. It takes you from yelling at your kids to hitting them. It can take you from a few drinks to driving drunk. It can take you from looking at a few photos in a catalog to spending hours looking at graphic material on the internet. It takes you from a little overspending to crippling credit card debt. That's the way darkness takes over, slowly. And it's like this slow fade. And little by little, the darkness overcomes the light. And like a child who panics the moment they find themselves in the dark, alone, afraid, uncertain, there is this great sense of panic. And our only hope is to find the light. But the great thing is that Christmas is God's answer to that problem. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, came into the world to bring light and to bring hope. Uh, If you're just waking up, welcome back. Uh, We're glad to have you with us. If you've forgotten where you are, you're at Genesis Church. And uh, we're glad that you're here to join us uh, this morning. Uh, We're beginning a new series today. We're talking about the power of the light, uh, the presence of the darkness. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them and turn to John chapter 1. Uh, This morning, I want to talk to you about the light that came into the darkness many years ago. Uh, And so go with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. We're going to start there and jump to a couple of other places. If you've been around church for a while, you know that it's pretty common during the Christmas season uh, to take a look at Luke chapter 2. Luke offers a a historical account of the birth of Jesus Christ. But today we're going to look at the way that John tells the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and how he comes into the world. And uh, we're going to look at the way John uh, uses particular language uh, to describe this entry of Jesus Christ in the world. But to understand the power of John's words, here in John chapter 1, you need to realize and understand the power of the presence of the darkness Uh, This power that's around us, uh, the darkness that's within us. Uh, Beginning in John chapter 1, starting at verse 9, John writes, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Uh, Jesus Christ, John calls Jesus Christ the true light. A light that gives light in all the darkness. And that's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Uh, That's the the reason why we celebrate that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And then later, Jesus said the following of himself in John. John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus Christ, the son of God, is the light that shines in the darkness. Well, ready or not, here comes Christmas. Uh, It's here, it's upon us, and uh, you know, whether you're in the spirit of it all yet, maybe some of you, you get right there as soon as possible, you know, back at the end of the summer, you were already thinking about Christmas. Maybe for some of you, you just left your lights up all year long, you know, and so they've been hanging all year, you're ready to go, you changed a couple bulbs, plugged them back in, and and you're all set, but it's been fun watching all the Christmas decorations come together. It's a great time when you have kids 
Uh, you know, I'm always a little bit of a Scrooge, a little bah humbug, you know, to kind of get into the Christmas season. But you can't help but get into the season when you've got children and, you know, they're noticing all of the things happening right now. We put up our tree uh, this past week and yesterday we took all afternoon and put all of the ornaments on the tree. And, you know, I'm a little particular. So my kids would put one here and then when they weren't looking, I'd take it and move it to a, a different location so that it looked just right. But, but getting everything in place. And uh, one of the things that they're fascinated with this Christmas lights. And uh, it's fun to be out in the evenings with them and to watch them point out all of the different Christmas lights. But here's the thing. There's, there, there, there's, there's, um, there, there's so many beginnings. There's a story behind all of the Christmas decorations uh, that we choose, and especially the lights. I, I was reading a little bit about Christmas lights and where the tradition uh, comes from. Did you know that you can trace the history of Christmas lights all the way back to medieval times? Uh, believe it or not, all the way back to medieval times, before electricity, uh, followers of Jesus, Christians, would take a candle, they would light it, and then they'd put it somewhere in the obvious, somewhere obvious in the house uh, for others to see on the outside, like a window. And, and so they've got this candle, a symbol uh, of the fact that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has come, and, and they would put this light up uh, in the window for others to see, even all the way back in the medieval times. And, and this tradition is carried on today and involves hanging lights from your gutters or your bushes or even putting inflatable snowmen in your front yard or whatever you choose. But, but there's a story behind these Christmas lights. You know, it's what you do at Christmas. And, and these lights can symbolize so much more. And so, you know, I was just thinking, here's an idea. When you're out driving around, you know, over the next few weeks, you know, especially if you've got children and you hear one of them point out a particular yard and all the decorations. I mean, what a great teaching opportunity for you as a parent, but to be able to tell your kid, I mean, do you know, do you know what that light represents? You know, that, even that light represents the fact that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the hope of the world has come. And that's why we celebrate Christmas because it's so easy for kids and even adults to get, get wrapped around gifts and, and, and giving these gifts and receiving these gifts. And, and, and why not take the time to remind them uh, that Jesus Christ came into this dark world? And, and the truth is that, you know, I, I think some of you need to hear that today. You know, it's not just your child, but, but maybe it's you. That Jesus Christ has come into this world. He's come to bring light into this dark world. And maybe you're experiencing the darkness, you know, in your life right now in an overwhelming way. And for you, it's the darkness of despair. I mean, this past year hasn't in any way gone the way that you hoped it would. Maybe pray that right now, I mean, would you let the light of God's life, you know, come bring hope, you know, into your life right now. Or, 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 or maybe it's the darkness of suffering. And someone you love is battling cancer right now. And the outlook isn't very good. Or maybe even you, you're struggling with some health problems or some health challenges. And they've really got you down. And maybe you use this time to be reminded, would you allow the light of God's joy to come into your heart? Or maybe for you right now during this season or even today, you're reminded of the darkness of your own mistakes and failures. And you've made some decisions that you terribly regret. And as a result, some people near you, people you love, have been greatly hurt. And, and what you would love more than anything else would be to be able to go back and to fix it all. If you could go back and have that moment and not say what you said or, or that one action to be able to take it back. But you can't. And because of, all, of it all, you're just overwhelmed by all this guilt. Would you be willing to believe that even right now, the light of God, Jesus Christ, 
I mean, that he could even shine into the darkness of your life right now and bring hope and forgiveness and healing. The light of Jesus can break through. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate the light of this world coming, and his name is Jesus. One of the first prophecies about Jesus is found in the book of Isaiah. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Isaiah copied down these words from God, prophesying about the Son of God coming, the Messiah. We, we looked at these verses uh, earlier in the service. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 for you. Isaiah writes, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles. By the way of the sea, along the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And that's what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to shine his light in the darkness. And it's his life that brings light to everyone. Go back, if you would, do you remember when you were in school, middle school, high school, uh, science class, studying the principle of photosynthesis, all right? And it has nothing to do with getting your photos developed in an hour at Walgreens or a special effect that they can put on them, but this principle of photosynthesis, and I'm pretty sure that it stands true even today, that the sun uh, brings light to the earth and this sun causes us, it allows us to have life. All right, photosynthesis. I mean, without the sun, there would be no life. You know, the sun we have allows plants to grow. It allows us as humans to exist. The sun brings life uh, to our right, red and white blood cells. It, it helps our immune system to function, strengthens our immune system. The sun creates a, a higher sense of well-being. You know, the fact is true that people are more likely to be depressed during the winter time because of the decreased exposure to sunlight, the fact that it gets dark at 2.30 in the afternoon, you know, that there are even higher rates of suicide during this time. The sun brings life physically to the earth. And, and what is true physically is also true spiritually. God designed it this way. As the sun brings life to the earth here physically, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, brings life spiritually to all of us. He, he brings life to our souls. And without Jesus Christ... You know, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, without the presence of Jesus Christ in your life, you, you, you can't have life. I mean, you can't have true life. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, same writer, he records these words. 1 John chapter 5, 12, he says, He who has the Son, Jesus Christ, has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's, it's that simple. I mean, it really is that simple. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you don't have real life. You, you have this imitation, wannabe, you know, so-called kind of life. But it's not real life. Real life can only be found through the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And, and so John reminds us that that light that brings light to all men was coming into the world. All right, back here in John. But notice that as soon as he mentions this light in Jesus, he immediately points out the fact that there are many who will do everything possible to hide the light. First John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, In him was life. And that life was the light of men. I'm sorry, it's in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. But notice what it says here. But the darkness has not understood it. Now, the darkness doesn't understand it. I mean, does that make any sense to any of you? I mean, think about it if you would. All right, just put, put this into your own life. I mean, when you became a Christian, you know, when you started attending church, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, did everyone around you get it? And understand, 
You know, or was there a period of time that you went through, you know, all the trash talking or, you know, people making these statements about you and what's gone wrong in your life or what are you not seeing? You're being lied to and, and, and you, you're not even able to see through it or anything. And, and then there were, there were some, they just didn't get it. And so you started talking a different way and all of a sudden you had this positive outlook or, or maybe this hope in your life that you hadn't had before and you started making better decisions about your time, but not everyone around you got it. You know, they didn't understand, and maybe they still don't understand. And, and the harder you try to explain it, the more complicated it gets, or they just, they turn themselves off, they don't want to listen, and it almost gets to the point as if you just don't even want to talk about it with them anymore. Let's just, let's find something else that we have in common that we can talk about. Because John says the darkness does not understand the light. John chapter 1, verse 11, He came to that which was His own, Jesus but even his own did not receive him. John says the darkness does not understand the light. And if you have seen or experienced the light in your life, I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than watching people, you know, you love, you know, refuse the work of the light in their life. And some of you may feel that more than others, you know, especially during the holiday season. You know, maybe you, you get together with a mom or dad and you want to talk to them about church or you want to talk to them about your faith and they want nothing to do with it. You know, they want to have anything to do with any conversation that has to do with anything God. Or, or you'll welcome home a, a child from college and, you, you know, during this time and you know that that son or that daughter are making a number of, of difficult decisions, terrible decisions right now in their life. And, and you see it. You know, you see the other side of it all. You see the light, but they don't get it. They just, they're not able to see it. And so they make one bad decision after another and it breaks your heart and it's clear to you. Or maybe it's the coworker, you know, and you realize and you know that he's in a dangerous place right now in this relationship with another woman that's not his wife, kind of walking on thin ice. And you see the fact that it's not just all about pleasure and it's not just about all of our selfish ways. And you want him to understand that there's more to life than the pleasures that we seek. I mean, there's a better way. There is a better path and you see it, but others around you don't. And it frustrates you. There's a book. Uh, it's entitled Into Thin Air. It was written by a man by the name of John Krakauer. And in this book, he tells about a guy by the name of Andy Harris. Andy was an expedition leader uh, who would take people to the summit of Mount Everest. And in the book, Krakauer tells about one time uh, when Harris was going to the top of Mount Everest, uh, he stayed too long at the peak, and as a result, he was running low on oxygen by the time he began his descent. So Harris uh, radioed down to base camp, explaining the predicament that he was in, that he desperately needed oxygen, that he wasn't going to make it. But here's what everyone else at base camp knew and realized, that there were plenty of, of canisters of oxygen at the top of the mountain, uh, left over from, from previous groups. And and, and so they explained this to Harris, and Harris found the oxygen canisters, and he radioed down to them. He says, well, they're empty. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. They're emptied. And the people at base camp says they, they knew they weren't empty. They knew that there was plenty of oxygen, and if he could just take a few minutes and attach this new oxygen canister, that he'd have enough oxygen to get down. And, and so they said, you know, try it. And he said, no, I'm not going to try it. They're empty. You know, the, no, they're full. Just try them. No, they're, they're empty. I'm not going to try them. And on that particular day, as Krakauer explains, Mount Everest claimed another life. And, and in his book, Krakauer talks about the frustration of those at base camp who were trying to help the man at the top of the mountain 
I mean, they knew that what could provide life was right there. It was right there in front of him, but he couldn't see it. And why couldn't he see it? Because he didn't have it. You know, he, he, didn't, he couldn't see the oxygen because he didn't have enough oxygen of his own. He couldn't see it because he didn't have it. And, and, and I think this is true spiritually too. It's difficult for those living in darkness to see the light when most of the time it's right there. I mean, we can see it. Why don't they see it? And it's one of the reasons, you know, why the mission of who we are and what we want to be as a church is so important. Our mission is helping people find their way back to God. It's about you and I shining so brightly so that those trapped in darkness can also find their way. We have to show them how to do that. We've got to be able to shine that light. Again, as John says, many will try and hide the light. They will refuse the light. And if you keep reading in John, he gives another reason why people reject the light. Here's what he says in John chapter 3, verse 19. He writes, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I mean, many people reject the light for one simple reason. The darkness can be a lot of fun. Many people reject the, the light for one reason, and that is that the darkness can be fun. And, and some say, I, I don't really think that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And, and some will say, you know, I don't really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I have a difficult time with that language. But I think there are others who reject Jesus and Christianity and church altogether because truthfully, when you get down to it, the darkness, it can be a good time. There's a, an appeal, there's a pull that comes with the darkness. I have a friend who's a pastor, and he, I was listening to him preach on this subject. And in his sermon, he talked about a letter that he had received written from a girl, a college student who attends his church. And, and the college student wrote a letter to the president of the state university that she attended. And in this letter, she talked about how she entered college, and she was strong in her values. She was confident in her faith. She knew who she was as a person. But then she talked about what happened in the letter, or what happened uh, as she got through college, and she moved into the dorm, and just what this entire experience had on her life, talking about the power and the appeal of the darkness. And and I want to read a short excerpt for you uh, from this letter that she wrote to the president of her state university. She writes... Most of the conversation, subject matter, taking place in the lobby or study areas of my dorm was sexual in nature, and I became more and more aware of the prevalence of casual sex. I heard students nonchalantly telling stories of switching partners and even engaging in group sex on campus. Those of us who were not involved were the minority and ostracized as closed-minded or conservative. One Thursday night, I went down to the basement area of the dorm to study, only to find about 25 students, male and female, watching pornographic movies together. Upon reporting it, I was told by a resident advisor that they did this every Thursday night and that if I didn't like it, I shouldn't participate. More than once, I walked past the 30-gallon garbage can on the third floor filled and overflowing with beer and liquor bottles. They didn't have to hide their drinking, and many of the resident advisors saw alcohol as a normal part of college life. Over time, she writes, these behaviors affected me. It's very difficult to withstand peer pressure when you are submerged in an environment where this behavior is the norm and pure intentions are viewed as weird. If you said that you didn't drink or were not sexually active, people looked at you like you were a freak. 
And over time, the alienation I felt led me to doubt myself. I began to believe that I was abnormal and there was something wrong with me. If on the day I moved into the dorm, you had told me that I would eventually start drinking and smoking pot, I would have told you, you were crazy. And this is just one powerful example of the appeal and the power of the darkness. And I realize that even in hearing this or even in realize, or reading this, that it might make some of you a little uncomfortable. Now, why would we read something like this in church? And, and maybe it's an example that you don't want to hear. But here's the thing, that until we as followers of Jesus Christ are willing to shine a light on the darkness, it will continue to have a power you know, over us. It will have a power over our students. It will have a power over our children. And we can't afford to look the other way. And we can't sit back and just hope that our kids figure it out or something or that they get through or they come out okay on the other side. There is a battle going on in the darkness and the darkness has the most power when the light refuses to shine on it. Gassan Thomas is, is a pastor. I was reading his story just the other day. He leads one of the few public churches that has emerged in Baghdad. Uh, shortly after Saddam Hussein uh, was overthrown from power, this Christian church uh, came together, uh, chose a building, chose a facility, and put up a sign right on their property that proudly and courageously in Baghdad proclaimed that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Uh, not too long after that, the church was raided by a group of people, uh, badly um, uh, destroyed. Uh, and these people who came left behind a thread on a piece of cardboard, it read that Jesus is not the light of the world, Allah is, and you have been warned. And then the, night, uh, the note said, uh, was signed, the Islamic Shiite party. Well, in response, this pastor, this pastor Ghassan, loaded a van with children's gifts and medical supplies, which were in, in shortly or critically short supply following the American invasion, and he drove to the headquarters of the Islamic Shiite party there in Baghdad. And one by one, he presented the gifts and all the supplies to the sheik. And then Ghassan told the leader, this pastor, Christians have love for you because our God is a God of love. And then as the story goes, he then asked permission to, to read from his Bible. And, and Ghassan turned to the words in John chapter 8, which said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he then showed this cardboard note to the sheik. And, and the Muslim leaders, astounded by Pastor Thomas's actions, apologized. Uh, the sheik vowed, and, and I quote, this will not happen again. You are my brother. And if anyone comes to kill you, it will be my neck first. Uh, the sheik even later came and attended Pastor Thomas's ordination service at the church. Here's the point. It's all about shining the light in the dark. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. That's what we're called to do as a church is to shine the light in the darkness. And sometimes we as followers of Jesus, you know, as a church, we shine a light that is not always appreciated. You know, and as John tells us, it's not always going to be understood. But that shouldn't be you know, something that prevents us from doing what we're called to do because part of our role as children of light is to shine the light in the darkness. Matthew writes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, these are Jesus' very words. He copied them down. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, 
Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. And then who gets the credit and who gets the glory? And that they may praise your Father in heaven. You know, that they may see these good things. They may see these great deeds that you do. But as followers of Jesus, they see God in every bit of it. God gets the credit. And the way that we shine our light, as Jesus says, is through these good deeds and through these acts of compassion and through these service, we need to be shining brightly in this world. And so here's the question. I mean, here really is the question. Where is light needed the most? It's in the dark. And there are a lot of dark places right now. And they're not as far from us as we might think. There are areas of town, even right here in Noblesville right now, that are just overcome by the darkness. And hallways at school. Maybe on your own street or in your neighbor's house right across the road. You know the story. You know a little bit about what's happening there. Maybe it's in your office. The person working in the cube next to you, and you know what's happening in their life right now. Or maybe it's in your own home. A spouse that's going through a rough time, a child that's going through a difficult time. You don't have to go very far to look for the dark. And so what's our response supposed to be? I mean, as Jesus came to shine the light and He's called you and me to shine the light in the darkness, what's our response going to be? I mean, the challenge really is to shine light in those places. I, I heard a great story this past week from... A good friend, Jill Funk, who is in charge of a, a group of moms who pray here in the community uh, through a program called Moms in Touch. Uh, and Moms in Touch is, is made up of, of women uh, who go into all of these local schools, all of the Noblesville community schools, from elementary schools to intermediate school to middle school, high school, all of the buildings, and pray every week. And they gather together and they pray for students and they pray for teachers and administrators and special needs that come up, just moms. Just praying, you know, praying for their students, praying for the needs that arise. And, and, and this year, uh, they came together and decided, let, let's, let's just shine the light of Jesus in a special way. Uh, let, let's, let's do a, an act of love uh, for all of our teachers. And, and so they got together and they baked dozens of fresh cookies. And I even heard about one of our, a couple of our women's connection groups that partnered with them and helped bake these cookies. And they were able to deliver cookies, fresh baked cookies, to every teacher in the Noblesville schools over the past couple of weeks. And, and, and so much more than a cookie, so much more than a chocolate chip cookie, which is one of my personal favorites, but, but also a note that just reminded teachers, hey, we're praying for you. Uh, what you do matters. We're praying for you. We're praying for your families. We're praying for your school. We're praying for your class. We're praying for the kids and the families, you know, that are impacted through your teaching. A great act of love. You know, a way to shine the light, you know, even here in our local schools. And, and I've heard other stories about what some of our connection groups are doing right here, right now. I heard a story about a connection group that, that spent last Sunday raking leaves, you know, here in the neighborhood for some of our, for some of the local homes. Uh, I heard about a couple of connection groups that have made visit to senior citizens' homes right now and, and making gifts and making cards and just spending time with people who might be a little more lonely, you know, during this time you know, than other times. I mean, what can you do to shine the light? I mean, that's, that's my question for you this morning. That's my challenge to you. Is there something that you can do to shine the light over the next few weeks? And, you know, and whether you live by yourself or you're married or whether you have a family or not, I mean, how can you make it a family event? I mean, what if you were to say to your kids, hey, let's do something. You know, let's do something together. I, I was amused uh, the other night 
my boys were upstairs and they were being good and mom was gone and so it was easy it was cake i mean kate was asleep and so i i I was just able to kind of chill and hang out and my boys were cleaning their room and and they came which they do a a frequent amount or way too often i think that their dad rubs off on them a little bit and i'm not sure if it's a good thing or not but they came down with this pile of toys and there was like one stuffed animal, one Lego, uh, just this variety, this assortment of toys. And they laid it out on the table and they said, Dad, we, we just know that there are some kids that probably aren't going to get anything for Christmas. And so can we give these things to them? And, and on the one hand, I, 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 mean, I was very proud of them, you know, for seeing this and realizing this. And they're hearing these types of things in our Gen Kids ministry. But just this variety of toys that they brought down was really quite amusing. And so you couldn't help but chuckle a little bit. But how can you involve your family? I mean, is there something that you can do over these next few weeks to really shine some light in the darkness? And you pray about, God, where do you want to direct me? You know, where's an area of my life right now? Is it in our neighborhood? Is it the next door neighbor? Is it at my office? Is it it my son's teacher? You know, is it it my, my son's friends? I mean, is there something that I can do to shine the light in the darkness. You know, we've, we've tried to provide some opportunities for you. If you go to your worship program, we've just put a, op- a couple of opportunities in there that we know of where you can go to shine the light right now. You can go to just, just, just say, you know what, this matters, this counts. I'm going to do it because I, I know it's what Christ wants me to do. There are two things that we're really getting behind as a church. Uh, that we would love to invite you to partner with us. And one of them is called Christmas at the Creek. We've done it for the last few years. Deer Creek Community Church is a small church just down the road here. And they identify over 100 families every year just to help them have Christmas, you know, to, to help provide gifts for their children. And it's really a great deal. On Saturday, December 12th, all of these families, all of these parents will come to Deer Creek. And the greatest thing about it is that the parents get to choose the gifts for their children. So they are actually getting to make the selection and then they get to take them home and give these gifts to their kids. And so that son or daughter can look, you know, at their parents and say, wow, thanks. You know, I mean, their parents get to be a part of all of that. That happens on December 12th. But we, what we get to do as a church is we get to help give these gifts. And many have been so generous in the past in, in bringing gifts. And so we're going to invite you next Sunday, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this at the end of the service, to bring gifts, to bring food items. And then we'll have, our volunteers will take them to Deer Creek Community Church for their big December 12th giveaway. Uh, it's a way that we as a church, it's a way that you and I can kind of help shine the light, you know, here this Christmas season. There's another opportunity that we have coming up in a few weeks, but you can be planning for it now. And it's an opportunity that we have to take an offering uh, the Sunday before Christmas and just kind of give it beyond this community, uh, beyond who we are, to to another great uh, thing. Last year, uh, you gave as a church $5,000. We were able to give money to help purchase and build uh, two water wells in Africa. And working through an agency called Living Water, uh, we were able to provide fresh water uh, to a couple communities that didn't have it. Well, this year, uh, because of our partnership and our ongoing efforts with Nehemiah Vision Ministries in Haiti, we're going to take an offering here over and above what we usually do on Sunday, December the 20th, and give it to Nehemiah Vision Ministries and their continued work in Haiti. But here's the thing. Here's what I want you to do. I, I don't want it to just be one extra thing that you do. No, our challenge is this. Would you as a family be willing to buy one less gift this year? You know, maybe it's dad and mom saying, you know what, we're, we're not going to get anything for one another. Or maybe it's for each of the kids getting them involved in and say, hey, we're going to do one less gift. And we're going to take that money instead. And we're going to give a gift to a community in Haiti. 
And, and so we'll take that offering on, on December 20th. But here, here's the thing really with all of it. I don't want you to be pressured into any of it, especially, and I know that some of you are already giving here and you're giving there and you're involved with this agency or, or this big event happening at your school. That counts. It all counts, all right? I, I'm letting you know that it counts. And I don't want this to be like, oh, this is one more thing that we have to give to. Now, no, if you're already doing that, you just keep doing that and you invest in those places. But if you don't know what to do, if you don't know where to get involved, these are just two opportunities that we have coming up as a church to be generous uh, because God has been so generous uh, to us. You know, it's just a way of shining the light. And the thing about the light is this, the light in you and me, it's not a self-generated light. It's not a light that we just work up. It's a light that comes from the light of the world, Jesus. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your life becomes His home. And His greatest desire is to shine through you. To work through you in your neighborhood and your mom's group, your college dorm, your team. That's what God wants to do through you. He wants to shine Jesus' light through you. And I know that for some of you, you feel really overwhelmed by the darkness in your life right now. I mean, you feel the darkness because of the circumstances of your life. Maybe you feel it due to some decisions you've made or some sin in your life or your own mistakes. Here's the thing. The light of Jesus can break through to you too. And if you want to talk with someone this morning about a relationship with Jesus, if, if you'd like to pray with somebody about just whatever you're facing right now in your life, We'll have a team of people down here up front immediately after the service this morning. Uh, we'd love to pray with you today. And we'd love to chat with you, you know, about the difference that God and what Jesus Christ can do in you. Let's pray. God in heaven, I just want to thank you for this time this morning and, and just this great reminder that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and that he has called us to shine that light with our own lives in neighborhoods and classrooms and offices and in our friend groups, Lord, in our own homes, wherever that may be. And God, I'll acknowledge this morning that one of my greatest challenges is to try and get into the Christmas spirit every year. I bet I'm not alone in that. But God, would you use this morning to remind us that it's not about getting into the Christmas spirit. It's about being reminded what Jesus has done for us, that he came, the Son of God, the light of the world to save every one of us. He's made himself available. And God, I realize that you've called me and you've called my friends here this morning to shine that light so that others might see. And sometimes that's an easier task and sometimes that's a more difficult task. But I even pray right now in the quiet of this place that you might just lay a name on our minds and our hearts this morning. Maybe it's a Maybe it's a, one of our children. Uh, maybe it's a neighbor. It's a friend from school. Maybe a coworker. God, would you give us a name? Would you give us the face of someone? Maybe someone that you're calling us to right now. And, and as we identify that person, God, would you work in us in such a way that we, we just know how to shine the light right now? Whether it be through a conversation or through a note, a gift little extra time, an afternoon off, an overnight getaway. God, how can we shine that light right now? I just pray that we hear from you. And let's not let it be about trying to get into the Christmas spirit, but let's let it be a reminder of the light of the world, Jesus Christ. It's he who has come 
to save us all. And I just pray that we're reminded of that today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.